Hey folks, it's Mike from Profiling Evil. I've been studying criminal behavior for more than 40 years, and one of my favorite research tools is Truthfinder. It's online, and you're not going to believe the information stored there. So if you want to know more about that new neighbor, your babysitter, or your online date, give Truthfinder a try. I'm including a special link below with special discount pricing, but you got to click the link and enter Evil 10 at checkout. Now, we're an affiliate, which means we get a small commission, but you can cancel at any time. Well, hey folks, it's Mike from Profiling Evil, and thanks for joining us on this audio podcast on catching predators who hurt kids. I'm really thrilled that my buddy Chris Hansen has joined me to talk about the great work he's done over the last couple of decades in bringing predators to justice. You're going to really enjoy this particular episode, and I hope you're taking time to hit the subscribe button so that you receive notifications on all of our podcasts. Now, let's jump into this. Well, hey folks, I'm pausing to share some concerns I have surrounding identity theft and fraud. I've learned a lot from our partner, Ara. They're the pros at protecting people from cyber predators. Ara provides identity theft protection, credit and fraud protection, and online and device security for you and your family. They taught me to think twice before answering those online questionnaires designed to steal our personal information. You know, it must be working because U.S. statistics show that 33% of us have been victimized by identity theft at an annual cost of more than $56 billion each year. Our protection plans come with around-the-clock support, a money-back guarantee, and a million-dollar theft policy. But here's the best part. You can try Aura for free by clicking on this special Profiling Evil link in the description down below. When you do, we get a small commission. But think about it. You insure your car and you insure your house. Don't you think it's time to insure your identity? Now let's get back to today's discussion. Well, for more than 40 years, this award-winning journalist has been pursuing predators. He's reported on some of the most notable crimes in history, things like the Columbine High School Massacre, the Oklahoma City bombing, the Unabomber, the September 11 terrorist attacks. What is it that motivates Chris Hansen? And is this guy going to fill us in on the biggest misconception that there is out there about him? Well, welcome to this special episode of Profiling Evil Podcast. I'm looking forward to today's discussion with Chris Hansen, an iconic reporter and an investigative journalist who I think turned the front lines of crime upside down with his relentless pursuit of predators. Now, most recently, Chris is the executive producer and reporter for the Onision uh, in real life program and unseemly the Peter Nygaard investigation that's now on discovery plus. But I got to tell you, Chris, I'm really excited about your top rated podcast predators. I have caught with Chris Hansen. Welcome for to profiling evil. And thanks so much for taking time to jump on with me. Well, Mike, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Followed your career for a long time and and, uh, thank you for all your hard work in law enforcement. Well, that's very kind to say. You know, um, your credits are, are like mind-boggling. I mean, you were the host of Crime Watch Daily, Killer Instinct on ID. Uh, you spent like 20 years, didn't you, with Dateline NBC? Absolutely, yeah, sure. Well, Dateline, you know, was a great place, is a great place, and it, it was a, a great foundation for me to go do the things that we're doing today. True Blue, the new streaming crime network that we're launching in November, where the new predator investigations are, are going to take place and be available to people. Um, but yeah, I mean, we pioneered a lot of reporting in those 20 plus years at Dateline NBC, including the predator investigations. And the, the funny, you know, you, you talk about things that people don't know. Obviously, the predator investigations have become iconic for a lot of different reasons. We were able to take people inside the commission of a felony to see things they wouldn't normally see. And, and the, the, the moment of impact where justice is served upon somebody who's trying to rape a child is 
you know, unforgettable when you see it. But I think, you know, people sometimes don't realize that there that's 20%, maybe 10%, maybe of, of my portfolio. And so we've done a lot of other things, but it is the predator investigations that I think have created uh, awareness and a dialogue because of this impact enterprise reporting that we can now apply to not only the new predator investigations, but everything else we're doing with uh, true blue and takedown. Uh, it's really something to me to think back and you, and you're right. I mean, I remember I mean, you did so much on uh, the nine 11 event and the, the disasters at world trade. And of course the other locations, uh, I, I had the opportunity for many years to work with the New York Police Department on building that real-time crime center and sure. working with them on some of the things that were happening there. But but it, it is really impressive because your portfolio goes way beyond that. I, I kind of smiled when I was doing a little cyber snooping on you that this all actually started when you were about 14 or 15 years old watching the Jimmy Hoffa investigation. Well, you know, Mike, I, I grew up about a mile and a half away from his last known location, uh, the Red Fox restaurant, where he was allegedly kidnapped. And, you know, I'd see this on television and say, hey, wait, that's right up the street. I didn't even have a driver's license. I should ride my bike up there because the crime scene was there and the tape was up and the FBI agents and the local police and the local reporters, you know, Channel 7 Action News and the network correspondents were in. And, and I really at that point just got bit by the bug and this, you know, enduring mystery as to what exactly happened to, to Jimmy Hoffa. And so when I went away a few years later to Michigan State University for college, I went on the first day and signed up for the campus radio station. And one day I was a reporter. <laughs> That's how it started. It's Isn't it something how impressive that those teen years can be? Oh, absolutely. I, I was sitting at South High School yeah, yeah, I was sitting at South High School in Salt Lake City uh, as a as a uh, sophomore pushing weights, trying to make the football team. And the school resource cop, a Salt Lake City PD cop, came in. I was kind of in a little bit of a misspent youth myself. Sure. And the guy took me under my wing and changed my entire life. Oh yeah, and and you know I was lucky enough to grow up with pals who. You know, my best friend in high school was, you know, his father was best friends with Bill Bonds, who's the, the main anchor in Detroit. And so I always had him as kind of a, you know, second father and, a, a, you know, and, and it was an iconic guy in his own right, you know. And, and uh, so that was extremely helpful. But I always joke with people. I said, I've had three jobs in my life, you know, uh, Baker's Apprentice at Mr. Pastries, hauling drywall in Detroit and uh, being a journalist. You know, <laughs> that's it. That's all I know. Those three things. I'm glad I'm glad you learned to work as yeah. a as a boy because that paid off when you were older. You know, I was I was kind of blown away by one particular uh project you did. I wondered if you might share kind of why you chose it and what your kind of your after the fact issues or thoughts were about the Onision project cuz I'll tell you what that was a that was a creepy one to me and I'll it, tell you I've looked at a lot of parameters. Yeah, it was it, it, it's really creepy and it still is. Uh he is not been prosecuted. Um, he's been investigated by a couple different law enforcement agencies. Um, YouTube finally cracked down and, and demonetized him, uh, finally. Uh, but it, it's one of those stories that, you know, it sort of found me. I, I didn't necessarily find it. We had started a YouTube channel and I really was starting to understand how it all works. And it was suggested by a lot of people out in the digital community that I should look at this guy, Gregory Jackson, um, AKA Onision. And so I did, and I started to have his victims, his alleged victims on my program, have a seat with Chris Hansen. And they told these horrific tales of abuse and harassment. And, and, uh, in some cases, you know, allegations of underage sexual contact. And, and he had been known on the internet. He was a YouTube star. He first surfaced many years ago on uh, a show called Tosh.0 because he'd done this goofy I'm a banana video and it took off. And so he, he was giving advice and, and he was very appealing to a certain young teen female audience. And then he flipped over and started abusing these people in a most foul and vile way. And so we exposed all this 
And then we went out to his residence in Washington State, and there was a whole uh, scene that unfolded there where I knocked on his door to talk to him, like old-fashioned journalists do. He called the sheriff's department, and we backed off. I talked to the deputies, and, and they kind of looked at me and said, we wondered how long it was going to take before you got here. And that took off on the internet. And then I thought, well, there's a larger audience uh, who needs to see this story. And so I had pitched it through a production company to uh, Discovery Plus, and, and we made a very compelling documentary on this. And if people haven't seen it, they should. It's, uh, it's really something. And it, 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 but it took so long for YouTube to act, uh, we finally, in one of the segments, took what Onision was doing on his YouTube channel and cut it with YouTube's own terms of surface, you know, good touch, bad touch video. And it was so clear that he didn't just cross the line, he hurtled over the line in a very offensive foul way. And it was the next day that they demonetized him. <laughs> so this this brings up a question for me. Of course, you know, now now the investigator in me always jumps in sure. and I start looking down different pathways as we talk. But but th this YouTube thing has been a real interesting thing for me to try to wrap Same my here. brain around the Absolutely. last couple Same of years. Yeah, yeah, how is that for you, having gone from um, a, an environment where everything was really closely checked and scrutinized by the legal team and everything else? I, I find myself so frustrated at times as I watch um, other YouTubers that, in my opinion, I mean, we're all out in this to make a little money and to share some thoughts. Yeah. I, I can't get around that. But the bottom line is the, the sensational or the completely out of whack approaches that some oh, of them it, are taking. It, listen, I've been I think is damaging I've been, this. I've, I've been targeted by it, you know, because there are drama channels. I've had people on the channel who have been survivors or victims of other predators who have been co-opted by drama tubers who say, you know what, you can start your own channel. And just by invoking my name, you can create a disturbance, drama, untrue, but you will get clicks and monetization based upon that. It's all about clicks for some of these people. And they don't care what's true or not. I, I'm not a YouTuber, Mike. I'm a, I'm a reporter who has a YouTube channel. Yeah, it, it has, I don't know, 385,000 subscribers and probably close to 30 million views. And we use it as a tool uh, to create awareness and, and tell interesting stories. Uh, sometimes those stories turn into television projects. Sometimes we use it to promote what we're doing on other platforms. But, it, you know, it's there. It's valuable. Um, but I didn't get into it to, to, you know, to make money or become a YouTuber. It's just another part of my media portfolio that, you know, creates relevance and targets a certain audience. I mean, no different than, you know, being on Instagram and saying, you know, tune into my podcast, Predators I've Caught This Week, or, you know, get ready because we're launching True Blue and Takedown with Chris Hansen in November. I mean, all those things work into uh, reaching as many people as possible with our, what I think is important work. Well, yeah, you know, and you, as you listen to people that are out there, people are, are gravitating toward YouTube because they can get in, they can get yeah. information, and they can get out quickly. And I've been struggling uh, in the last couple of years with with how do I help a profession that I love, law enforcement, and I'm I'm a cop by heart and a YouTuber at night. Sure. And, um, and I keep looking at this darn thing, and I think law enforcement has to evolve. They've got to figure out that, that social media isn't a, a, a YouTube account or a, a Twitter account. It really is embracing this true crime community and figuring a way to send a a request out, a plea to the public for information, and then have a mechanism to actually harvest all of that information that comes in and do something with it. Well, I, th I think you're seeing that. I, you know, the FBI uses Twitter and, and um, certainly the New York Police Department. Uh, and, and I, you know, spend a fair amount of time. I have a residence in New York. And, you know, NYPD puts out a surveillance picture of somebody who's committed assault on a subway. I mean, that person is not free for very long. 
I mean, New Yorkers react to that, whether they see it on Twitter, whether they see it on, on the local news broadcast. I mean, that's why the arrest rate is so high there. I mean, it, you know, you got 8 million people and 36,000 sworn officers, and they put that out there. I mean, nobody in New York wants subway crime. They're going to dime that guy out, you know, in a heartbeat. Well, let's step back for a second and, and take a minute and tell everybody why you got into fighting child predators. You know, it's interesting, Mike, um, and I can't believe it was 18 years ago that we did the very first predator investigation, but I became aware of an online watchdog group called Perverted Justice. And um, at the time, they would pose as children in chat rooms. And if, if an adult you know, said something sexually explicit, uh, and the profile was unmistakably underage, as always, uh, they would then post this person's identity on their website. And sometimes law enforcement would get involved and sometimes not. But it became a bit of an online sensation, if you will. And then I, when I became aware of it, I thought, well, what if we could combine perverted justice's ability to post his kids in a chat room and our ability to wire a house uh, with hidden cameras and microphones and if somebody showed up, that could be pretty compelling. Well, I had no idea at the time what it would become. I mean, I really pitched this as a segment on Dateline. Um, and they bought into it. And we set up a house in Bethpage, Long Island in February of 2014. And I'm driving out there and I'm stuck in traffic. And I'm thinking, geez, what if nobody shows up? And I've just wasted tens of thousands of dollars of the network's money. With that, my producer, Lynn Keller, calls and said, where the hell are you? We've got two guys due in 45 minutes. And before the end of that two-and-a-half-day investigation, we had 17 guys surface, including a New York City firefighter. And I thought, holy hell, you know, we've got – first of all, this is a huge problem that the first time out, you know, we would see these results. And second of all, as a journalist, you know, and I wasn't a rookie – you know, I was, you know, 40, uh, 45 years old and had been doing it a long time. Uh, you know, I was blown away personally. I mean, just to have experienced this, I, it took me, you know, days to process what I had just been a part of. And we brought this back to the, the office and there was a little bit of, okay, what do we do with this? We, we know it's compelling. We know it's important. But, you know, it took a while before, you know, we ended up putting it on television. It was the following fall. And um, predictably, it, it got a lot of attention, and we did it again in, in Washington, the suburbs of Washington, D.C. And, and then, you know, those investigations, we didn't collaborate with law enforcement. Law enforcement stepped in and made some of the cases after the fact, but it became clear pretty early that we had to be socially responsible and collaborate uh, with law enforcement. It was important that these guys face justice. It was important that solid, uh, credible cases were built, that these guys had a fair day in court, that there was due process. And from a television production standpoint, it was awfully unsatisfying for the audience to see these guys walk out of the predator house, you know, whistling a tune and, you know, twirling an umbrella. You know, it just wasn't working. So, so from the third investigation on, we've always collaborated with law enforcement and we've adjusted that up to and including the investigation that we did just a matter of weeks ago, uh, where, again, we saw uh, an executive arrested. We saw a police officer service in our investigation looking for a teenage boy. We saw uh, a guy who showed up in a dump truck. I mean, again, this, this doesn't... If you had asked me 18 years ago if we'd still be doing these investigations, I would have highly doubted it. I would have thought that guys just wouldn't show up. And I would be fine with that because we would have sent a message out to the world that this behavior is no longer tolerated. But from the first one we did where we merely had chat rooms on AOL and Yahoo, the number of social media platforms upon which a predator can approach a child has exploded. I mean, I can't even keep up with them, Mike. So, so every time we go out, there's something new. There's kick and skip the games. And we had a case in Michigan where a 12-year-old was groomed by a predator on Instagram. 
And he flew up from Florida, had her crawl out the window of her bedroom, meet him in a church parking lot, took her to a hotel, raped her. She shows up at a hospital to be treated. And the Genesee County Sheriff's Department gets all the security video from the hotel, the rental car, and backtracks this entire thing through Instagram and makes an arrest. And it turns out that this guy is guilty of other cases just like it. And he admits this. So if that can happen on Instagram, I mean, think about all the other apps, social media platforms that are out there today. It, it's, it's ubiquitous. And if you look at the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children's statistics, during the pandemic, more kids were online than ever before. And, and the number of inappropriate contacts and the amount of transmission of child pornography skyrocketed because the predators know this. So it's not going away. So the best thing we can do is, again, create awareness, create a dialogue. There is no great system for demand reduction here. It's not like the drug problem. There are some incredible therapists out there doing a lot of work to rehabilitate those who can be rehabilitated. But your best defense is, is the conversation you have with your children when they become of a certain age uh, that they're active on the internet. Hey folks, it's Mike from Profiling Evil. If you live in the United States, this Sunday is Father's Day. Now, Father's Day was never that important to me because I didn't have a father in the home. In fact, I only met my father a few times. He was a decorated war hero and a Purple Heart recipient who came home from World War II with a ton of baggage. You know, it was my mother who held our family together, but Nonetheless, I kind of kept tabs on my father using a great product that I also use for investigations here at Profiling Evil. It's called Truthfinder, and I think so highly of the product that I've decided to share it with you, and you can get the link down below. Now, Father's Day can bring up some difficult emotions for people. If you've been wanting to reconnect with your father, you might consider clicking on the link below. Now, keep in mind, we're an affiliate which means we get a small commission if you sign up with TrueFinder. It's about enough for me to buy a Diet Dr. Pepper, but you get a special price when you do it. Now, TrueFinder might help you find that long-lost family member. It helped a guy named Terry Parsons recently find a father that he had given up hope of finding. It, Terry gave TrueFinder a shot, and straight away, found his father's details, and now they're reunited as a family, all thanks to a simple search just in time for Father's Day. Now, if you use TruthFinder and you have success, would you please send me a note? Email me at profilingevil at gmail.com. I'd love to hear about it. And best wishes as you deal with the emotions of Father's Day, whether they're good or bad. I mean, think about it. You're here because your father was there. Folks, I'm speaking with award-winning journalist Chris Hansen, and you've watched Chris for decades as he's relentlessly pursued these child predators. Chris, your work inspires me, and it undoubtedly raised, uh, has raised awareness to how destructive these sexual predators are. And we're going to cover more about uh, that and I hope about uh, predators I've caught with Chris Hansen and other things. But but I want to talk a little bit about this idea of what can parents do. And, and I want you to personalize it a little bit, if you would, because I think back to, to, to you know, watching this destructive behavior as a street cop and an investigator. And I, I was fortunate to be trained by profilers in the Bureau on profiling and to understand all of these mindsets. But at the end of the day, I, I always tried to, to temper my, my emotion with my children. How, how do you, how do you do it? How do you teach these safe principles without letting all the ugliness you've experienced through these things mess you up and make you kind of give bad advice or over go over the top of yeah. the helicopter. Here's what you can't do is say, I'm not going to allow the internet in the house, right? I've heard that from parents over the years, giving speeches to parental groups. Um, my guys were in high school pretty much when I started doing these investigations. So they digested it at a different level 
uh, you know, I think my youngest was in junior high, but you know, they, they were of an age. Well, I mean, now they're in this business. One's a reporter down in Orlando, and one's a, um, in TV production out of Brooklyn. But you know, they watched it, understanding that their dad, you know, was an investigative reporter, and so they, you know, they, they were shocked by it. But to them, it was it was more of a situation when they're in high school. You know, when South Park did a Chris Hansen Predator parody. Uh, and that was on on a Wednesday night. Thursday, they walk into you know their high school, and there were something I was the coolest dad in the world because South Park had done a Chris Hansen episode, so they digested it that way. But you know, from from a my discussion with them was you know look, just because you know somebody online doesn't mean you know them in real life. Uh, just because you think somebody is a cool guy on World of Warcraft, which at the time was all the rage, doesn't mean they don't have ill intentions for you. With younger children, uh, I think uh, the discussion starts with there are adults out there on the internet who like to trick kids. Kids don't like to be tricked. If you don't know that person in the real world, you shouldn't be speaking with them online. You start there. And then as they get older, um, you have to teach them that just because some guy sends you a picture and it appears to be a cute surfer dude from San Diego means nothing because he could be a fat 53-year-old sitting in his mom's basement in his underwear surrounded by empty pizza boxes, you know? And, and if you can, you can tell those anecdotal stories with a little bit of creativity and not just clamp down and say, you're not doing this, you're not doing that, then I think you've got a better chance at, at making them uh, tougher, resilient, more aware of their surroundings. And it, it doesn't hurt you to check. You know, you're the one who pays for the internet service. You're the one who pays for the phone. You're the one who bought that laptop or that iPad. You have every right to toss it and to take a look and see what's on it. And, and there are cases where parents do everything right. Um, one in, in, in um, Arkansas, where a uh, daughter of a police officer Again, thought she was talking to a, a nice young man on a Christian, you know, chat site. And it turned out it was an adult who kidnapped and killed her. And, you know, while the father was at work as a police officer, thought she was doing everything right. He tricked her. He groomed her. The, the guy who's a stranger on a Wednesday is so adept at grooming and breaking down the traditional barriers in society between adults and children that, you know, by Friday or Saturday, they're not a stranger anymore. And I read these transcripts you know, when I'm doing the investigations. And then when I do the podcast, going back over previous cases, you know, I delve into these transcripts and it's almost like they follow a template, uh, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's predatory grooming behavior. You know, as you look back and you think about uh, the 18 plus years you, you were doing that at, at prime time, what kind of pushback did you get from time to time? And has the, has the public appetite changed over time for this? Have we got desensitized? Are we more enraged today? Where are we in your opinion? I, I think from a, from a television production management standpoint, look, it was edgy. I remember a conversation before the first investigation aired and, and, uh, a senior, uh, executive made the comment, I, I just don't know how to promote this. And in exasperation, I said, well, you want to know how to promote it? And I'm going to clean up the language I used in the, in the meeting when everybody thought I had lost my mind. I said, there's a guy at your back door who wants to have sex with your 13-year-old daughter. Tonight, we're going to show you how to prevent that. And everybody said, okay, okay, that's fine. And, and so we, you know, we, we worked back and forth as to how to do it and how to, you know, handle it standards-wise. And it, it pushed the envelope. Nobody ever done that before. And so there's always this nervous trepidation. And it, it, look, it's, it's, it's expensive, it's dangerous, and, and it's edgy. I get all that. From a management standpoint, it's a risky proposition. But we did it, and we continue to do it. It's safer today. It's, it's, you know, we, we know more about it. But it, the fact that it is risky and edgy, and that I'm face-to-face -face with this guy even with security, even with law enforcement, is what makes people watch it. Now, we take tons of precautions. Some I talk about, some I don't. But, you know, we make it as safe as possible. Um, from a public standpoint, because of that, 
you know, we're into our third generation now of people who are devoted to watching these investigations. And, you know, that's why I think so many people listen to the podcast. They want to know more about these guys. And because of YouTube and, and, and uh, you know, other platforms on the internet, there are 13, 14, 15 year old kids who are seeing this for the first time. Now, are they all watching it to learn how to be safe online? No, they're watching it for, uh, you know, sometimes the entertainment value, but I'm okay with that. I'm okay if South Park or the Simpsons or any number of shows, you know, pokes fun at me because it raises awareness about a very serious issue. And it is, it has become iconic. I mean, I never thought I'd have a t-shirt with my picture on it or anything like that's not why I got into the business, but you know, I will promote it uh, for the good that it does not only in this venue, but it raises awareness and gives me access in a lot of different areas in terms of enterprise and crime reporting. We are working on stuff now for True Blue that will be out. I mean, documentaries, investigative things that are, are mind-blowing in terms of what goes on in different parts of the country. I'll give you an example. We had uh, a case where a guy was on social media meeting, grooming, and uh, conning money out of young women and then assaulting them. And, and these victims of his started talking about it online. They connected and then reached out to me uh, about exposing this. And this is a hell of a documentary. We've already started shooting it. And the benefit of doing True Blue, the new crime streaming service we're launching in November, is that because it's a partnership between me and Sean Reck at uh, Transition Studio, I can move quickly on these things. When I do a story like Onision on Discovery Plus, love Discovery, love the production company with which I work, but it was a year from start to finish. The Peter Nygaard investigation, which was admittedly much more complicated and lectured and, and textured, um, layered and textured, was 18 months, almost two years to get that on the air. Today, I call Sean and say, I need a crew on Thursday in whatever city the crew is there. We shoot these things. We turn them around. It's, it's, it's the same advancement of process and technology that we use to take people inside the commission of a felony in the Predator series. We're applying that new way of doing things to increase the speed at the same quality of content going towards the consumer, the people who want to see a Chris Hansen branded investigation. And so that's what we're all about. And, and I'm, I couldn't be more excited about launching this thing at this stage of my career, having done, you know, done it, as you mentioned, for 40 years, which is also mind boggling to come to terms with, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, um, it's, 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 it's the way people are, are, are in my business are, are doing this now. And, and I'm very fortunate and blessed to have the team around me to, to do this, to make this a reality. And it's, it's, we're, you know, fit focused and finance and we're ready to go. You know, I want, I want to come back in just a moment and talk a little bit about the uh, collateral damage in these kinds of things. And I'll explain more about that sure. in a minute, but I wanted to just take a second and remind everybody, I'm talking to award-winning journalist, Chris Hansen, and you've been watching this guy for nearly four decades if you haven't been, it's time to start. It's time to subscribe to his YouTube channels. We're going to talk more about that. But this is a podcast at Profiling Evil that explores some pretty difficult topics like sexual abuse. And, and we do it in a way that, thankfully, uh, we don't dig into the seedy side of this thing and we don't exploit this, but we talk about how serious it is. It's really important for each of you out there to know that there is a cadre of people who are ready to help you if you're being victimized or you know somebody who's been victimized. And I don't want to pull any punches. Sexual assault is a crime. It is against the law. And I hope that you'll reach out to law enforcement immediately and get help if you have any knowledge about that. And just know, whether it's your medical or your mental health provider, there are people that want to help. And Chris, I don't, I hope you don't mind, but I want to pause for a second and just remind everybody about my book, Deceived. Absolutely. Thank you. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's called Deceived, an investigative memoir of the Zion Society cult. 
and deceived explores cult behavior and cult dynamics, much much like some of the dynamics we're talking about today, the grooming process. How do you suck people in and get them involved? And it chronicles my investigation and ultimate takedown of this religious cult that, believe it or not, committed more than 4,000 rapes and sexual assaults against children over a, about a five to 10 year period of time before we took 60 cops in and raided the compound. We, we arrested wow. and convicted 12 predators. And eventually, there should have been more that were um, charged, Chris, but we eventually chose to side on the health of the children who had to continue well, to it's, testify it, it, trial it's, after it's, trial. It's fascinating stuff, Mike. They, they, and, and it, you know, it shows you how, given the opportunity, some of these societies can become so insular and so protected and so secretive that these predators operate, you know, in some ways inside the walls of a, of a society like this, but, but really in plain sight. And, and, and the generations of, of trauma that that breeds, I mean, thank God you guys got in there and, and, and broke the cycle there. It, it had to be mind-boggling amazing and hopefully people will uh, take a chance and look at this book it, it's more about how these 32 child survivors that we took into protective custody rose above the abuse and I, folks you can find it, the book in hardbound copies at profilingevil.com or you can go out to amazon and get paperback and ebook versions and everything else so, but but please check that out and know that we, we made a conscious decision, my wife and I, we, we decided that the proceeds from this book were going to go toward building a new children's advocacy center. We call them children's justice centers out here where children can meet with law enforcement and medical pe- personnel the moment they, they report a crime and then be walked through the criminal justice process. So we're really excited about that. Uh, but I want to get back to this topic because, again, these are heavy subjects. As at the Attorney General's office, we started the first Internet Crimes Against Children task force many years ago when I was still uh, working in the in law enforcement. And part of our concern was the collateral impact on our investigators that were looking at these cases. Can you talk a little bit about how these have negatively impacted you, the the memories that you can't wash from your mind? And what do you do for your film crews when you take some kid out that's never seen something like this and is thrown feet first into the fire? Well, it's, it's a great question. I, you know, you know, maybe I, I cap this stuff down so low that I, I never have dealt with it, you know, properly or appropriately. And maybe, maybe it has taken a toll over the years. I, I don't, I don't carry it around as a darkness. I don't fret about it. I am disturbed by it. Uh, and that's why I do these kinds of stories. But I, th- I think, Mike, that by doing the stories, um, I find catharsis, right? I, I, I find catharsis by doing the podcast. I understand why people do what they do. I don't dwell on it. I don't let it get me down. I, I, I have seen the toll that this takes on law enforcement, especially on investigators who have to view child pornography. Thank God I've never had to do that. Um, and it, 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 you know, sometimes men and women in law enforcement have to be rotated out of these uh, groups that do this kind of work. It, it's just better for them. Um, my guys who work on the team, you know, they're pretty excited to do it. You know, they, some of them today grew up watching the original episodes. So there's a, there's a, there's a, right. There's, there's a focus, there's an intensity, there's a, a seriousness. Nobody jokes around. There's no high-fiving when, you know, a certain person walks in the door who ends up being a cop. There's none of that. It's all business. It's all very focused. And when you see the interviews, I'm not out there to create 10 seconds of dramatic video. I'm there to do my job as a journalist, to ask questions that are going to elicit responses, to get inside this guy's mind, to understand as best I can as to how it works. And under the, the theory, the premise that if you can understand the way a criminal or a predator's mind works, you can better protect people from becoming victims. 
And so because I, I listen and I probe and I am open to hear what they have to say, I think they're more likely to open up and to, and to talk and to have a seat. You know, people always joke about how do you have the ability to get these guys to have a seat? Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they run and the cops grab them and cuff them. And, you know, I, I may then get a chance to interview them. But more times than not, they do sit down for a number of reasons. And once they start talking, they talk for a long period of time. And it gives us an insight into it. Uh, and again, obviously, there's a dramatic television sensational component to this because, you know, we're the ones who, the only ones who do it in this way. Uh, but still, I think it's, it's, it's a heck of an education, you know. I can imagine that uh, many of your um, video have ended up in court. I watched with real interest a few weeks ago uh, as you um, did the case that involved this police officer who right. shows up, Todd lubricant, yeah. everything else. I, I mean, it is so enraging. But what's more enraging, and yet you have to – as an interrogator, and, and that's what I view you as, as you're going through this process, in this interview and interrogation process, sometimes you got to let them take the stage thinking they think that they're in charge and they're oh, yeah. actually going to manipulate their way through this. Talk about that. Well, you do. You let, let them tell their story. I, I'll let them tell their story as long as they want to tell it. And I've got, you know, the transcripts. I've got the notes. And, and I'll let them go as long as they want to go. And then come back and say, well, you said that, you know, you found out about this particular social media platform because a friend told you about it. Uh, and you were just here because this girl was in crisis and you were going to save her? Tell the story. And obviously, you know, but you said here that you wanted a shot of her breasts and are there neighbors around? And why would you ask those questions? if you were really here to, to, to save her. And do you think it's appropriate that a man of your age is here to see a 15 year old girl? Uh, and then do you have daughters of your own? Would you be comfortable if somebody your age came to go visit your daughters? Now, in the case of Todd Baracco, the cop, and we, that we'll do have do a uh, extended version, a detailed version of that on, on true blue. Um, we did a sampling on the YouTube channel because Here's a guy who not only was a police officer at the time of his arrest, he had been a police officer in other jurisdictions in mid-Michigan and worked for various school districts in capacities where he had direct responsibility and potentially control over children. And when the sheriff made that public, that arrest, and when I did the piece on the uh, YouTube channel, Have a Seat with Chris Hansen, people started to come out of the woodwork about their stories having to do with Todd Baracco. And so when we do that story, and he's working as he's been prosecuted and he's working his way through the criminal justice system, we will interview all those other people. There was a town supervisor where he was fired as a police officer for, you know, sketchy behavior, who then came after, he came after her and actually pulled her over on a bogus traffic stop and harassed her, was hanging out at her home. This is a, a law enforcement officer. This guy came into our home after a sexually charged conversation with somebody he thought was 15 years old, as you mentioned, had the lube, pulls into the driveway. Now, I don't know he's a cop at the time, right? Sometimes we know this stuff, sometimes we don't. It happens quickly. And he walks in, and he's got a bad attitude from the start. And he tries to bowl. The sheriff's department restrains him. I start asking him questions, confront him with the lube. I mean, there's no good reason you're going to show up at a house with that. And he, he just is really snotty, really entitled. And they, they take him away. And I turned to the crew, Conrad, my head photographer, and I said, I guarantee you that this guy is either a cop a teacher, a city councilman, or somebody in a position of authority by the way he acted. And they go out, the sheriff's deputies from Genesee County go out and search his pickup truck. They find three guns, handcuffs, and his police credentials. 
the, the, these these are so frustrating. Um, as as our time is kind of getting short, I wondered if you might share a thought without a name because they got away with it of those any of any of those cases that really stuck out to you where you know this predator is guilty yet they got away with it we had a case that i profiled a couple weeks ago on the uh podcast predators i've caught of a navy guy who showed up in our investigation in petaluma and the chat was clear cut the confrontation was clear cut. He walked into the backyard where we had set up, took off his shirt, was excited that he was going to get in the hot tub with a young teenage girl. I confronted him. It was the one instance out of hundreds and hundreds of these guys where I thought this guy was going to, you know, get aggressive with me. He calmed down, he sat down and he left and he fought this case. His mom spent $100,000 to fight this case. And ultimately, you know, I don't know whether they wore out the judge or whether the judge had questions about perverted justice. To me, this is the only case where a judge has dismissed charges out of four or 500 cases that we're at now. And so he walks. Guess what happens three or four years later? He's arrested for attempted, He's sexual, attempted sexual assault. He's been in and out of jail, prison countless times, and now he's got trouble tattooed across his neck. World's a self-cleaning oven. Uh, literally? Literally. Oh, my goodness. Check out the episode. It was two weeks ago. All right. So let's go 180 degrees. <laughs> On that note. Because uh, there has been a... <laughs> There have been a lot of funny things that I've seen over my career. What's the funniest thing you remember? Well, I think it's a hundred-way tie for first, but in, in terms of the predator investigations, I mean, when that first guy, John Canelli, a.k.a. Special Guy 29, walked into our house in Herndon, Virginia, naked. Naked. Right? He walks in. The producers have put a towel on the top of the refrigerator. I hand it to him. He wraps himself up, and, and I said, John, what are you doing here? as you're naked. And then we had another fellow who showed up in Fort Myers, Florida, Marvin. And I, and, and he starts to spin his story and the transcripts were horrible for him. He talks about cool whip and a cat and a sex act involving this girl and all of the above. And, and I finally looked at him, I said, Marvin, you're naked. And so that has become a catchphrase, a buzz line all, all over the internet. And, uh, you know, people ask for a cameo. They say, can you say, Marvin, you're naked? I say, yeah, I got it. <laughs> There's the next ringtone. Yeah, put that, put that on a T-shirt someplace, I suppose. So, Chris, have you found, as, as law enforcement's evolved and partnered with you, um, have they picked up some of your techniques? Have you learned techniques along the way? I mean, th- this is about, these kinds of investigations are about ever-evolving, and you talked about it early on, about, the, the new fruit of the month of of communication. How how are you moving forward and staying ahead of a group of people who are really good at what they do? Well, I, I you know I just stay in touch with law enforcement investigators around the country, uh, with uh, the young people uh, with whom I work here at uh, Transition Studio and True Blue, and, and, and you know they're technologically savvy. And, and I'm very fortunate to be surrounded by people who, you know, um, are, are in some cases way more connected than I am in these various fields. And so I, I am able to stay on top of things, um, you know, and I'm blessed that way. I've got, I've got a great, great team of folks uh, I work with. And, and, you know, really, it's just a, it's about being aware. It's, it's about never... Uh, being satisfied with what you're doing or how you're doing it. You want to be on that cutting edge, which is what we're doing with True Blue. And you want to, you need to be out in the public, right? You need to go to CrimeCon and talk to people uh, and, and, and explain to 5,000 people in an auditorium what you're up to and what you're doing. You know, we do a lot of different creative things. We're going to go out to um, do uh, an interactive show in Las Vegas next year. We're going to do 
you know, true crime theater. We're going to do a lot of things. And, and the more you put yourself out there in a creative, relevant, entertaining, and, and informational way, people are going to respond and in turn give you information and insight into what they care about. It's the, the story of the guy who is uh, exploiting and attacking these young women. Uh, it's the more aggressive level of what happened in the Tinder swindler. And when you put yourself out there and you, you know, people have a way to contact you like they do at Chris at PredatorPodcast.com, you know, you will get information and then be able to work with law enforcement in ways, collaborate to create awareness and in the process, create dramatic television and uh, content that people will want to see. Folks, this has been an incredible hour with Chris Hansen, and I hope you'll take a moment. Look for the links down below and make sure that you're subscribing to to Chris's channel. But more importantly, Chris, tell us about the podcast Predators I Have Caught. And then I want to also have you kind of tease a little bit True Blue because this one has got me really jazzed. Oh, I'm jazzed too. I can't tell you. Um, So Predators I've Caught with Chris Hansen, uh, it's on every – podcast platform. We go back into cases, as the name suggests, of predators I've caught. And, you know, a lot of times in the moment, Mike, you don't have everything you want to have when you do this interview, this confrontation. But now I go back and I immerse myself in the transcripts and the videos. And then we find out what this guy has been up to since then. And we report on that. And, and, and I get all this together and, and I relive it in a way. Uh, and it, it's very uh, emotional. It's very uh, insightful. And, and I let my hair down a little bit in the storytelling of it. You know, I, I kind of let the listener experience it the way I did and then look back at it. And, and I try to make every episode have something that nobody knows. You know, to me, the goal, part of the goal of doing what I do is to either explore a story that nobody knows about or to have characters speak out for the first time in a story that everybody knows about. Right. That's kind of the goal. And so that's what I try to do with the podcast. And I also want to we're we're working on getting some of the actual predators I've caught themselves to come on and talk to us. And and there are. Well, there are a number who are considering it, and we've reached out. As you can imagine, some some don't want to and will never. Some, I think, have a very good story to tell about their reformation and rehabilitation, and, and I think it would be insightful. Um, but there is a stigma, obviously, and for good reason. But I, I, I'm hopeful that as this project continues to, to grow in popularity, uh, and it, it's doing really well, I'm, I'm just blown away by it, that we will get some of these guys to come on. And we're close in a number of cases, so I think that's going to happen. Well, I, I, I 100% endorse that. And if you get a chance, especially if you have too much caffeine about 10 or 11 o'clock <laughs> at night and you can't sleep, jump over to Profiling Evil yeah. because there are a couple of interviews that I did with old pro uh, predators that uh, one, uh, a serial rapist who had 80 victims by the time I got a confession out of him. I went back to him in prison just a few months ago. He's been in prison for the last 30 years and interviewed him and and had him re-experience those issues and talk about his victim uh, selection process. Did the same thing with a serial sexual predator whose whose preferential victim was child, uh, children between about seven and 11 and uh, had over 500 victims. And we had him talk about how he selected those, how he groomed not only the children, but their parents in many cases. And so what you're doing is really striking a huge chord for me. And, and uh, I hope that you just continue. To- oh, yeah. I, I, I got to ask, what what's the most common misconception that people have about you? <laughs> Well, hey, folks, it's Mike from Profiling Evil, and I wanted to take a minute and tell you about our affiliate, Truthfinder. It's a company that I've been using for a couple of years to research cases and individuals. Now, Truthfinder uses publicly available information, but it brings it together in a way that provides answers quickly and concisely. 
You can use Truthfinder to check out your new babysitter or maybe that new love in your life or just to find somebody you haven't seen for an awfully long time. Truthfinder provides these comprehensive background reports, telephone reports, email reports, and even location information. So when you go in and examine the information in their search results, you're going to find personal information, contact information, and places where your target has lived, not only historically, but currently. Now, all this can seem really overwhelming and maybe a little invasive to you. So I want to make sure you understand all of the information is publicly available information. Truthfinder just has an algorithm that brings it all together in a way that makes it a whole lot easier to access. Now, Truthfinder is an affiliate, which means we get a tiny commission when you sign up. It's about enough to buy a Diet Dr. Pepper, frankly. But I want you to know that I use it every single day, and I hope that you'll take a moment and sign up with them. I've given you a discount code, and it's down in the link below, so make sure you grab it. Evil 10. And remember, you can cancel this thing at any time. Now, I hope you'll give them a try, but but before you do, let's just jump back into today's discussion. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. I'm pretty out there. I think <laughs> I live a, a pretty public life, but uh, I maybe it is that you know I, I am so serious about everything I do that that I don't relax or have a sense of humor. That I live in a you know a bat cave someplace in the predator hunter headquarters. But you know I, I live a regular life. You know I, we're very fortunate to you know, have a presence in New York and, and also in Michigan. And, and I, I like to, you know, be in Michigan and where my wife and I are both from and, and uh, you know, do regular guy stuff and cut the lawn and go to Costco and, you know, sneak a game of tennis in here and there or maybe some golf. And, and, it, and it, it allows you to be a better New Yorker when you can get away from it for a minute, uh, you know, and, and, and <laughs> kind of live a regular, drive a car, you know, and, live a regular guy's life. So, so I think, I think that's it, but you know, it really is, uh, you know, a regular guy's life, but you know, we, you know, you'll be at, um, the hardware store Costco or something. And people say, you know, you look just like Chris Hansen. I said, well, that I get that all the time. And it's because I am Chris Hansen. No, what would you, and they just are astounded that I would be in a Costco, you know, buying a, a crate of something or ribs or whatever, you know, you do there. Or at you know Menards or Lowe's or buying plants, it's it's just like well you know I appreciate that and thank you for putting me on that that level. But you know I got to plant flowers too, just like everybody else. You know? <laughs> I love it. Hey Chris, thanks so much for joining. Well, thank me you, Mike. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, it, it has been my pleasure. And folks, I hope you'll follow Chris. Check out his links down below. You can get all of his previous interviews, I think, too, on YouTube or Investigation Discovery and so many other locations. And I, I don't know how to say it more um, sincerely, Chris, but these discussions can be really disturbing for people. And oh, sure. I just want to remind them that they can they can get help and that there are people out there who there want are. to help. There are some amazing therapists. And, yeah, there's some amazing people out there doing, doing work that uh, is critically important. I mean, at some point, you know, we have to break the cycle here. And that's part of the reason why we do what we do. But, you know, there's a responsibility on the part of somebody who's contemplating acting out this way to, to, to get help and make sure they don't do it and create another victim. Agreed. Folks, take a moment, hit, enter your comments down below. I'm going to be reading them and I suspect Chris will be Absolutely. too. So make sure you're taking time to do so. Well, thanks for listening to Profiling Evil Podcasts. Please check out our YouTube channel at Profiling Evil and make sure that you subscribe to these audio podcasts and, of course, our YouTube videos. I hope that you'll consider purchasing any of my books, but two of my favorites, Deceived, an investigative memoir of the Zion Society cult. Deceived is about a ritual cult that I took down where we rescued children who were repeatedly assaulted for years. My other favorite book is She Knew No Fear, and it's the story of Jane Walton, a pioneer woman who was murdered in 1891. It's the story of my investigation into her life and untimely death, 
And most importantly, it's how I solved her murder. You know, it took 130 years to get Jane justice. You can find these books in hardbound, signed copies at ProfilingEvil.com, or you can get them through Amazon in paperback. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon at the next crime scene. Hey folks, it's Mike from Profiling Evil. I've been studying criminal behavior for more than 40 years, and one of my favorite research tools is Truthfinder. It's online, and you're not going to believe the information stored there. So if you want to know more about that new neighbor, your babysitter, or your online date, give Truthfinder a try. I'm including a special link below with special discount pricing, but you got to click the link and enter Evil 10 at checkout. Now, we're an affiliate, which means we get a small commission, but you can cancel at any time.